Free speech is under attack in America. The government doesn't care about your safety. They just don't want you to escape the matrix. Thank you so much for being here. I'm Anna Perez. Wake up, people! Per usual, the mainstream media exists to serve one purpose, and that is to protect the political elite. And we should not be acquiescing to these people. Americans are historically illiterate, and it is a major problem. There's no such thing as free speech absolutism because free speech is, in and of itself, an absolute concept. Right here, back on LFA TV for another episode of Wrong Think. Have a great day, guys. And welcome to Wrong Think, everyone. I'm Anna Perez. Thank you so much for being here. Big news this weekend, or I guess over the past three days, of course, the Twitter files were released by Elon about the whole Hunter Biden laptop situation. So we're going to dig into that today because guess what, guys? We all know. We all know what really went on. We knew for a while that, of course, it was not, in fact, um, that Trump simply didn't win the election. There was election fraud. But combined with that, people were also told misinformation or were told that certain information was misinformation when, in fact, it was fact uh, but it was actually just covered up by Twitter and all of big tech. We are trapped in the big tech matrix. Now, as it pertains to politics, you might be aware of that. But today, I also want to get into how this is affecting your personal life, in fact, in ways that you probably didn't realize. Uh, because the big tech matrix, while we are currently escaping it with people like Elon Musk taking over Twitter, um, and with the truth getting out as a result of that, and so many people, uh, effective people being banned, uh, the reality is we are still in the process of escaping that, and I'll explain more throughout the show. But first, I want to go ahead and ask you guys to please rumble this video. Like I always say, it's because of you guys that we're able to exist as LFA TV, and it's because of you guys that we're going to be able to grow. You guys are such a big part of our success here, or future success at LFA TV, so please, please hit that rumble button now, either the thumbs up button, uh, if you're on your browser or I mean, uh, on the app, it would be not thumbs up button, the uh, boxing glove, I guess, and then the plus sign on your browser. So please go ahead and do that now, please, guys, if you haven't already. All right. So now time to get into the Twitter files that were released recently by Elon Musk, a true hero, honestly, in this particular situation. Uh, he doesn't always say things that I necessarily agree with, such as I wasn't for him banning Kanye West. Um, even though I don't agree with the things Kanye said, I still believe ultimately in free speech and I don't believe that tweeting out a picture is considered inciting violence. But other than that, we pretty much align as far as our perspective on free speech and all the other things he's allowed to, people to come back. I also think he should let Alex Jones come back on Twitter. But that is neither here nor there because that is not why I'm doing this show today. The real topic that I wanted to discuss, as I stated, guys, is that... Um, you know, there's so much that was just released uh, on Twitter. And of course, now we're always we're now finally able to see all of that with our own two eyes. Now, I don't want to go through the whole thing because probably either most of you already know the story or you already read the whole thread. So I don't want to insult your intelligence there because I'm sure you guys are up to date with the story. But I do want to focus on a few takeaways that ultimately lead me to the point that, you know, we are being controlled by big tech. We are stuck in a matrix that to some degree we are don't have a way out of, right? Um, so, but I do want to credit Elon Musk first and foremost for helping us at least escape. Uh, so first, like I said, guys, 
a huge bombshell dropped on Twitter. Like I, like we knew about it as conservatives, but finally it's out there on a mainstream platform for the world to see. Now I want to show you part of the thread because there, like I said, there are things I want to focus on. I won't do the whole thing here. So here's one part uh, that I want to read for you guys. By 2020, requests from connected actors to delete tweets were routine. One executive would write to another, more to review from the Biden team. The reply would come back handled, quote. You could see the picture of it below. Now, I wanted to talk about this in particular because uh, uh, this shows you that there had been collusion from the from the get go. We all knew that in in 2016, of course, the whole outcry from the left is kind of uh, proof of that. Remember after 2016, when the left kept saying Twitter is the reason why Trump was elected. Twitter was the reason why Trump was elected. I remember being in college at that time and we had to write entire essays about how Twitter and big tech contributed to Trump winning the election. And I remember thinking, well, what did you expect them to do? I, I didn't understand the question because in my mind, it was, I wasn't totally awake at the time uh, as far as what was going on. And honestly, I don't think so much had, it hadn't gotten so bad collusion from big tech at that point. Um, but I remember thinking like, well, what did you expect Jack Dorsey to do? What did you expect um, what the other guy who runs Facebook, forgetting his name, his name escapes me right now. Uh, but what did you expect these people to do, right? Like they're just nerds that run this big tech, these big tech platforms. It's not their job to police politics because even if you disagree with what Trump was saying, first of all, it's not our job to censor anybody, right? So uh, I, I had still believed in free speech. I thought the rest of the world to some degree believed in big free speech. So the outcry from the left should have been foreshadowing for all of us for what they were going to do in 2020. Because basically what they were saying when they were complaining about how Twitter had helped Trump win in 2016, they were saying you didn't censor him enough. You didn't censor his supporters enough, uh, which as you and I know would mean that you you know, we all know that that means they just wanted to tamper with our our right to free speech, right? Uh, so it wasn't that Twitter got Trump elected, it's that people got Trump elected and they were free to say what they wanted on Twitter at the time, or at least to a degree. So I wanted to point that first part out, that part of the thread out, because it kind of pointed out that things started to get progressively worse from between 2016 and 2020, as the left realized, oh crap, these voices are very effective. These these people who are conservatives are effective and they're they're winning and we can't have them win, right? Because of course the left wants to win and they'll do anything, whether it be cheating or lying, to do that. So I wanted to go ahead and point that out. So that, that takeaway is very important because it wasn't just like 2020 didn't, ju didn't just happen. The Hunter Biden laptop didn't just one day, they didn't just decide one day that they wanted to suppress it. This had been going on for some time. We had been trapped in the matrix ever since 2016 as it pertains to politics because they were already suppressing information to such a, a, uh, a great degree after Trump won. It was such an upset for the left. Then I want to go on to continue to read this part of the thread because I think it's kind of a continuation of that. The system wasn't balanced. So basically, you know, everybody was asking for, you know, people ask Twitter to do things for them all the time, whether you be on the right, whether it be someone from the right or the left. Uh, people, when you work for a campaign or when you work for, uh, you know, whatever, some sort of company or organization, you ask Twitter to do favors to, you know, help you uh, to help get your information out. So not suppress anybody, but to get your information out. So sometimes they'd honor it, sometimes they wouldn't. Now this thread's interesting, we, this part of the thread is interesting because it points out that it was very very biased. It was based on context. Because Twitter was and is overwhelmingly staffed by people of one political orientation, there were more channels, more ways to complain open to the left. Well, Democrats than the right. So there you have it, guys. That's the second part, part uh, that I wanted to focus on. So as a result, of course, we were setting ourselves up for failure or big tech was working behind the scenes to set conservatives up 
for failure, right? And the whole time we're we're aware of it, but mind you, back in twenty between the, the years of twenty sixteen and twenty twenty, um, this was relatively new. The suppression that they were using to this great degree, so it was very difficult for conservatives to come out and have proof and pinpoint where we were being banned, where we were being shadow banned, where we were being censored, because the whole point was that they were trying to do it so subtly, uh, not subtly. They were trying to make. They were making moves. They were doing big things that had grand effects on the election. Grand, not in a positive way, but like they it had a great it had a great impact on the outcome of the election. Meaning, it actually it, it made a difference as far as how things uh, happened. It wasn't just 2020. It was a lot of other things. A lot of information about COVID, for example. So, because also, meanwhile, at the whole at, during this time, COVID was becoming a thing. So. Between the years of 2016 and 2020, all of this crap was going on. Twitter was starting to really, really censor conservatives to an obvious degree that you and I could ignore. I know I was shadow banned. I started getting shadow banned, uh, I would say, around 2020 on Twitter. And I remember thinking, like, um, if only we had tangible evidence to prove this. Because the hard part, the difficult part being conservative at that time, and you know, not anymore. I think things are changing. And of course, I'll get into that with Elon releasing all of this. But at the time, we didn't have tangible evidence of this going on. We just knew that something was off. We just knew that things didn't look right. It didn't make sense that certain people were getting more attention than others. So that was a main takeaway I wanted to bring up from the thread is that this had been going on for a while. We have been sort of being primed for we had been primed for 2020 for a very, very long time. Even people would argue even before 2016. But I think 2016 is when it really hit the fan for conservatives because Trump was so effective. Um, people, you saw conservative voices like Gavin McInnes being banned right around that time. He was banned 2018. You saw, you know, a lot of other voices like Laura Loomer getting banned. You saw people um, across the whole entire right. Just, I think Milo was banned around those in those years as well. So a lot of conservative voices being banned at that time. That was when it really became clear to big tech, hey, this is a problem if you are someone from the left, of course, and as that thread brought up, most people who work at Twitter are on the left, so to them, of course, it was an issue that they needed to fix in their mind. All right, so fast forward to the the laptop situation, when the laptop comes out, right? So the laptop story, um, the, and the New York Post breaks it, and I wanna go ahead and read this part uh, from the Post Millennial breaks it down really well. They summarize exactly what happened uh, to during this time and, and this is a major takeaway as well, because I want you guys to see um, how like how this the, the narrative, how using language, how using a specific narrative helped them control the situation. Because once you make people believe something is happening, you then have control over the actions you can take as a result. They And I'll show you how language played a big role in all this, because they use the term hacked a lot. They wanted to make it sound like this whole Hunter Biden laptop situation was a result of being hacked so that people thought it was a bad thing going on and that Twitter just had to take action. Well, if someone's being hacked, then Twitter has to do something about it, right? That's in their rules and regulations. So I want to read this part right here because I think it's really going to become clear how Twitter was able to control the narrative so much at this point in time. In October 2020, in the lead up to the general presidential election in the U.S., Emma Jo Morris, Morris broke the story in the New York Post of a discarded laptop left at a Delaware computer repair shop. That laptop belonged to Hunter Biden, and on it, a treasure trove of explicit material was found. But what Morris wrote about the evidence contained on the laptop that pointed to the Biden family having engaged in 
influence peddling as well as shady international business dealings. The story was suppressed and censored by social media platforms, Twitter and Facebook, both outlets assuming that the information was false. The reason they believed it to be false, this is the main takeaway, guys, then Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey and Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg said was because they had been contacted by agents with the FBI who said the platform should be looked at for so-called misinformation dump. When the laptop story broke, the platforms assumed that it was that assumed that it was and censored the story. So then what happened next? Well, here it goes. Those with the Biden campaign called it, quote, Russian disinformation. But the laptop was very real. The younger Biden had dropped off the computer at a Delaware repair shop and simply never came to pick it up. The repair shop, per their policy, and I'll get into this later, takes possession of materials that are left in their possession for more than 90 days. The owner of the shop realized the potential bombshell he had on his hands and managed to get the laptop to Rudy Giuliani. Twitter claimed that they believe the data revealed by Morris and the Post had been hacked. Very important part of the story. It wasn't. But under their terms of service, hacked material is not allowed on the platform. See, that was how they were able to control it. The New York Post Twitter account was locked, and many media outlets from NPR and the New York Times to the Washington Post all issued explainers to readers as to why they refused to cover the story rather than actually cover the story. CBS just admitted that it was real. That they just recently did is what they meant. The presidential election in which the winning votes went to Joe Biden, it was revealed that nothing about the story was false, hacked, or misinformation, and that the social media platforms, which essentially operate as the American newsstand, had censored information that was essential for the American public. Polls after the election showed that many Americans would likely not have voted for Biden had they known about the contents of the laptop. You guys. The way they were able to control the narrative was that they they called the information, they, they said that it was hacked information. Once they decided that it was hacked information, they could then censor it based off of their policy. So see, it's a loophole there, right? It is the matrix that they they created and that they were able to control. They were able to control the outcome of the election of 2020 merely by deciding, merely by deciding that that was considered hacked information because once it was hacked, well, you, could, you couldn't argue, you and I couldn't sit here and argue that there's a political bias for somebody who simply wants to censor hacked information, right? That's part of Twitter's policy. That's a, that's a policy that applies to every, every user of Twitter. How could they support hacked information being on Twitter? But that's how they do it. It's a loophole. That was how they were able to control the narrative for so long and politically trap us in this matrix. They were the puppet masters, right? They were the puppet masters in all of this. And they were able to convince um, the majority of the public at the time that this was hacked information. You know, it wasn't like they came out and said, oh yeah, we're censoring this because we don't agree. We, we, don't, we want uh, Hunter Biden to win. We want Hunter Biden, we want Joe Biden to win. We want Hunter Bi Joe Biden to win, uh, not Hunter Biden. He was not up for election, although does it really matter at this point? I mean, they both suck. Um, it's being run by Obama anyway. Uh, but that's a side note, I digress. Uh, but the point is, guys, they really, what they were doing here was they were, they were using language to control the matrix. And therefore, they were able to play kingmaker in the election. Now, this doesn't just ruin our politics for us. We are not so, we, we aren't just trapped in the matrix or we weren't for the past few years. And that wasn't the only, the only outcome of that wasn't that they were just controlling our elections, right? It was far worse than that. They were ruining people's lives, specifically John Paul Mac Isaac, who was the hero that reported the contents of the 
of Hunter Biden's laptop to the FBI and also gave it to Rudy Giuliani. He was a hero and yet he was on my show and I'll, I'll talk about this. I should have played a clip from it. But back when I was on RAV, I had him on my show and he explained to me that the FBI threatened him. They censored him. They didn't want the story to get out. So they basically threatened him and he lost money as a result because Antifa would come to his shop and they, Antifa would threaten him. He was not protected. All he was asking was for this story to be taken seriously by the government. Uh, but of course, they weren't going to take it seriously because they're the FBI and they're very far left. And of course, Joe Biden and the all the leftist elites, they're, you know, in bed with the FBI. So they were never going to take this story seriously, uh, which is sad because, of course, the outcome of that is that our elections were ruined, but also people's lives were ruined. He was essentially a pariah as decided by the FBI. And I want to play a clip of him speaking out about it and how the information was, of course, deemed as hacked information. He was just on Fox News recently. Um, here's a clip of that. Elon Musk last night held a Twitter space where he began to talk about the unveiling of the Twitter files. And at the center of this story, as is often the case, is the man on your television screen right now, John Paul Mac Isaac. He owned the laptop repair shop, the computer repair shop, where Hunter Biden dropped off his laptop. Uh, good morning, John Paul. It's great to see you again. Um, you know, since we last spoke, all four of us here together, there's been a lot that's happened, including as recently as last night. I'm just curious, after you've seen everything unfold and you saw some of Elon in the last couple of days, what are your thoughts? Uh, I'm, I'm grateful. Uh, I don't know how many people know, but I, I basically was financially ruined by Twitter last yes. year. Uh, I tried to save my career because Twitter labeled my actions hacking. I went after them in a defamation suit. Uh, I think, though, ultimately, the goal from the opposition was to make sure that Twitter would cut, off, cut my legs off and make sure that I would never have an opportunity to fight my battles in the court of law again. So, obviously, watching Elon release this material over on uh, what Friday night was uh, very exciting for me because what I felt like I knew the whole time uh, was true. And I, I feel vindicated. I feel uh, I, I'm grateful for Elon. If he wants free tech support, uh, he's got it. Uh, <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's, it's refreshing. It's obviously, you know, if he had bought Twitter during the lawsuit, I think things would have uh, worked out a little bit better for me. But you know what? It, it is what it is. And I'm grateful that, that the truth is coming out now and that uh, I'm, I'm vindicated. Go ahead. Matt, here's one of the, the, the tweets that came out from Matt Taibbi as part of the exposure of Twitter. He said, uh, Twitter's public policy executive, Caroline Strom, so it's Strom's note, returned the answer that the laptop story had been removed for violation of the company's hacked materials policy. Now, you had been approached by the FBI. They were in possession of, of the laptop and that information. We also know that agencies were meeting with Twitter on a regular basis and other social media companies before the election. So how much time would... Twitter or the FBI have had with your material, especially the FBI, before they they made this excuse that it was hacking? Well, the FBI took possession of the laptop on December 9th. And with that, they took all my notes, all my information that I had provided them. And so they had ample time to review that data, realize that it, it wasn't Russia. December 9th um, of 2019? December 9th of 2019. And the story breaks. Story in breaks in October, October of 2020. 2020. So they had, what is that? Ten months yes. to to know and share. And we know they were meeting, right, uh, John Paul, with big tech to know and disseminate the information. Uh, this is real. We're taking it seriously, and actually, we're trying to squash it um, instead of pretending all of a sudden it's hacked. 
Mm -hmm. Exactly. When I watched the internet shut down on October 14th, uh, the New York Post came out with a story at 6.30 in the morning. By 9 o'clock, you couldn't find any discussion of it on the internet. Yeah. That's not something that happens naturally. That's something that's coordinated and set up so that when the story broke, they were going to be ready. They could flick a switch and they could shut it down. And that's exactly what happened. And I'm, I'm really hoping that combined with my future lawsuits, uh, hopefully the more people will read my book to understand what really happened. And I'm really hoping that uh, the truth will come out and I can get on with my life. And he is a hero for doing everything that he did, because as he just explained there, ba Twitter basically destroyed him financially. So this big tech matrix that we are living in, guys, that we are trapped in, that we continue to use Twitter, right? Because a lot of us, we see it as really, it, it, you know, now, it, now it's fine because Elon's in charge. But at the time, we were using it because we weren't, the, the public wasn't fully aware of what was happening. Even conservatives who, you know, had been shadow banned weren't necessarily aware of it because we didn't have tangible evidence of what uh, big tech had been doing for so long. And John, what John Paul Mac Isaac did is he served as basically a almost a martyr in the way for the movement because he himself was financially uh, hurt as a result of of trying to get this information out. Twitter literally hurt his ability to make money. That's crazy. That's crazy. And what free society does a big tech platform have that kind of power? But it just goes to show the matrix that we were living in. They had the power to hurt our elections, to hurt John Paul Mac Isaac financially, and numerous other other conservative voices that have either spoken out and wanted to uh, file lawsuits against big tech after they felt they were unfairly treated, um, or other elections that have gone by where things didn't uh, necessarily seem like they had gone the right way. To this day, we're still dealing with that, maybe not on Twitter anymore, but on, on Instagram and, and throughout COVID, guys. I mean, I was banned. I think a large part of it was the fact that I was talking a lot about the, the COVID vaccine. It's no coincidence that, you know, that would be such a threat to, to Instagram when they issued their COVID warning just about every time you said the word COVID. Well, mysteriously, they don't have that. I don't think they're bringing up that little uh, warning anymore when it comes to vaccines. I haven't seen it in a while. Either that or maybe I'm not pissing them off as much anymore. I, my following's not as big on Instagram anymore, so uh, less people are seeing it. So maybe that's less of a threat. I don't know what the reasoning is, but I do believe that we are about to do something big at, in the conservative movement. I believe that Elon buying Twitter and taking over uh, means that things are really, really changing. I do believe we are starting to escape the big tech matrix because that was a huge step. And then to release all of this, because now, you know, knowledge is power. Now, for those of us who weren't aware before, now everybody is aware. Now the even leftists can see what really went on during 2020 and what really happened when they censored the uh, Hunter Biden laptop story. Because as the post-millennial pointed out, numerous polls have indicated that Ameri more, way more Americans would have voted for Trump had they known about the Hunter Biden laptop story. But a lot of them didn't know. And can you really fault them for it when we're all kind of trapped in the big tech matrix? And if you are not necessarily politically active, you may not be aware of that. Your average American may not be aware of that. Your average honest American who just wants to vote for the best candidate was cheated in this past election more than anybody else in this past presidential election, I should say. So the fact that Elon is releasing this information, just bought Twitter, um, and even Elon said, I think his life is 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 being threatened right now. He's he he fears assassination, which is a very real threat, even if you're a much smaller person than Elon. So I'm surprised it took him this long to even say that. But you know, it's it's something that you deal with when you are telling the truth. A lot of people fear that nowadays as conservatives who are doing things. Elon's not particularly conservative, he's just 
pro-free speech, but the fact that he took over Twitter and he is changing the game, he is changing the matrix, that is scaring people, that is scaring the left, the leftist elites more than anything in the world. But, but there is you know, a light at the end of the tunnel because we are escaping the big tech matrix. All of this finally coming out tells us, guys, we are escaping their grasp. Now, what I'm going to get into in the next part of the show is that Sadly, there are ways in which the big tech matrix is actually controlling your life, probably that you never thought of, probably that you are not even aware of, especially if you're a young person. And I'll talk about that because the truth be told, older generations are not necessarily spending as much time on Twitter, Instagram, um, particularly Instagram in the case that I'm going to bring up, or, uh, or even Facebook, although boomers love Facebook. Nothing wrong with that. I'm just saying, you know, um, but yeah, and even TikTok to, for to a degree. Uh, I'm going to talk about that as well. But we are still very much trapped in it in ways that a lot of people haven't woken up to yet. And I hope, I hope that with conservative voices or people who are awake and know what's going on uh, in the mainstream culture, because there are plenty of people that have spoken out about this. Andrew Tate, I'm going to bring up as an example. I know I bring up him, him up a lot of time, but you know he says really truthful things, and especially as it pertains to the matrix that we are living in when it comes to big tech. Uh, he has a really good point to make that I'm going to show you guys. Um, and, you know, there's just so many ways that we are still trapped in it. Uh, but I do believe there are ways to escape. And I will discuss that uh, in just a moment. But first, I want to go ahead and read a message from our amazing sponsor. Uh, that would be Field of Greens, guys. Uh, we love Field of Greens here at LFA. Once upon a time in America, people lived on farms. You didn't have to tell people to eat vegetables and fruits to stay healthy. It's what they did already. As Americans became more mobile, however, foods that wouldn't spoil became the new thing. The problem is processed and fast foods have fewer nutrients. And now guess what? We aren't as healthy. We're really fat and that's a problem. Uh, let me tell you what I take to help me stay healthy. That's Field of Greens. You guys know it. Uh, please go ahead and check them out because we love them here at LFA. And we want you guys to have the same uh, benefits of Field of Greens because it is really great. Um, you know, it's packed with probiotics, essentials, ve uh, vegetables and fruits, plus science-backed herbs and prebiotics as well. Prebiotics and probiotics are important. Uh, Field of Greens works fast. You'll have more energy. You'll look and feel healthier. Jeremy loves it. He takes it all the time. He talks about it. Uh, so please join me and the rest of the LFA team in taking Field of Greens too. And to help you get started, guys, I got you a 15% off uh, code off of your first order and another 10% off uh, when you subscribe for recurring orders. So what you got to do is you got to visit fieldofgreens.com and use promo code LFA. That's fieldofgreens.com, promo code LFA, Field of Greens. Use the promo code LFA. Super easy to remember. It's always the same promo code LFA. So please check them out. Um, I'm telling you guys, you're not going to regret it. All right. So I want to go ahead and read some of your comments before we move on. I'm going to go check out the chat now. Let's see what's going on. Bad Moon says this all started when they sh uh, shafted Nixon. Yep, because they set a precedent that was very dangerous. And then suddenly this sort of political, um, not violence, I don't know how to, this like sort of political imbalance, this bias was allowed to exist. So I agree with that. Um, Iris Hannes has just finished my field of greens. Yes, so you got to order another one. Or order uh, recurring orders on it. I think I got you 10% off, so go check that out. Uh, Victoria said, hi there, Anna. Hi, Victoria. Hi, Cindy. Great to see you, too. Um, JLJS, great to see you. He says, JLJS says, um, I'm a boomer, supposedly, and I hate Facebook. Uh, well, I'm banned from Facebook, so I couldn't use it even if I wanted to, but I agree. I don't like Facebook. It's stupid. And it's like the only people that interact on there are like... Uh, people from high school and like they um 
it's only the, the people from high school who got pregnant at like age 12. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but it's just funny because they're always talking about like their 8,000 baby daddies and it's just like nobody nobody like asked for this. Although it is funny, like it's funny to watch. Um, but uh, let's see what else. Marilyn's Anna, you are 100% right on the money. Thank you, Marilyn. Um, Blue Collar Bunch just said, the spirit of the age has been working even before the crucifixion, crucifixion of Christ. Oh my goodness, I can't talk. Wow. <laughs> um, let's see. Nice of you guys all to say hi when you come in. Appreciate that. Um... Yeah, please rumble if you haven't already. I see a lot of people asking to rumble. Really appreciate that. Please rumble this. Share it with your friends, your family. Send the link to uh, on your social media. Go ahead and do all of that now. If you haven't already, would really appreciate that, guys. Um, let's see what's happening. Uh, Victoria says, wow, Beanery, that's horrible. What happened, Beanery? My sill is on Tribal, the new Lib platform. They say that the new Republican symbol should be... Oh no, it should be a jellyfish, spineless, brainless, heartless, eats its own shit through their mouth and full of poison. That's bizarre. That's a lot. Um, Amanda says, great topic, Anna. If everyone would share valuable information, then the woke will not stay stupid. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing too, though. It's not even just the left. Like in all fairness, a lot of conservatives or apolitical people, I should say, we're not really aware and why would they be? You know, unless you're politically active and you're kind of in tune with what's going on, a lot of people genuinely believe that that he had been hacked and that this was all misinformation, Russian dis they all they use all sorts of different terms for it. But once they were able to decide on the under the Twitter rules that they were going to consider it hacked information, they could then censor it. So that's the danger in all of this is that it's there's a kind of a loophole, if you will, like if they decide for themselves what it's going to be, then they can then treat it as such. Right. Rather than it being like, like they're not going to come out and say like, like there's no way that according to their their rules that they could just censor information because it, it, it goes against their political beliefs. So the danger of all of this is that they decide the rules and therefore they decide how they deal with it once it violates those rules right so we're kind of trapped in this cycle this matrix if you will that we can't escape because we still find their product very useful and it was very difficult because you know even if there's getter even if getter exists truth social which honestly bans a lot of information i'm not happy with it right now um getter uh gab parlor these other outlets even if they exist okay, great, but it's still very difficult to break through that mainstream barrier because leftists for so long wouldn't sign up for those platforms and they still won't. So the beauty of what Elon did um, is that she was able to, I mean, sorry, she, is that he was able to, um, why did I call him a she? <laughs> is that he was able to sort of break through that and he made it so that he said, well, how about just free speech for all? Now remember, Elon is not conservative. So there's no risk of him even being biased towards conservatives. So a normal apolitical person will look at what Elon's doing and be like, well, I support free speech. I'm not particularly right-leaning or left-leaning. So he kind of broke the barrier between in politics and the mainstream. So that's why, and he also bought Twitter, which is a mainstream platform. So that's why he's such a threat and why I can totally see the tides changing because to start a, a, a different, an alternative to that isn't going to change the tide. We know that because we've already tried it. You know, Getter, as we love Getter and we love using it and it's an amazing platform. And I think they've had a lot of, a lot more success than I would say other platforms that have 
create other people have created alternative sor- uh, sources. But the reality is people are still going to go to Twitter, even myself. Like I don't really post very often on Twitter. I'll retweet a lot of things, but I won't really write a lot of my own original like thoughts on there because it, I just don't like it. I just don't, you know, I, I, I didn't focus on that. I, for so long, I ignored Twitter because I, I was shadow banned anyway, because of course it was prior to Elon taking over. So I figured what's the point, you know, I'm never going to amass the following that I want here. So I might as well focus on Getter and Gab and these other platforms. Um, but the, my point in saying that is that it, by default, we became our own echo chambers. Like we kind of went our own way on the right. We went to Getter, we went to, uh, you know, Truth Social, we went to Gab, and then on the left, they stayed on Twitter. So we were by default creating our own echo chambers because it's not like the left is gonna go wanna go and sign up for Forgetter. I mean, some people do, like some people were apolitical would. But like I said, like it, it's very hard to break through. It's a very hard problem to solve and Elon is actually solving it. So this is the first time where I can actually confidently say, no, the tide is changing. Things are starting to change uh, because of people like Elon who are now making it so that, you know, everybody, a diverse thoughts can exist on Twitter, right? Because as conservatives, we were never saying we don't want Twitter, we, we don't want leftists to be banned. We value free speech. And we, we just said we want us to exist in the same space. And we want the same treatment that a leftist would get on this platform. So completely reasonable uh, ask, but, you know, they didn't want that. So um, oh, people are asking what my Twitter is. Yeah, it's Anna Perez DC. Um, yeah, Anna Perez DC. I'm that's my social media on everything except for Instagram. Instagram, it's wrong think Anna with an underscore at the end. Which my I think my favorite, I hate to say, I love I'm addicted to Instagram. Like I love it. I don't not in like the normal woman sense. Like I don't post pictures of myself really. I don't really like to post my private life. But um it kind of freaks me out. But I will post like clips of the shows and I will post like um, you know, just funny tweets that I like. I just like Instagram. I don't know why there's something about it that I like. I like, I also like when people post like reels and stuff. So, um, I would say that's one of my favorites. So I do post there a lot. Um, Ron GNR 89 says, look, look beautiful today as always, Anna. Thank you, Ron. Poptini says, yes, we like, we want women to exist again. Stop erasing women. What? Well, I'm not erased Poptini. So there's that. (laughs) Um, but yeah, okay, so I think I've read quite a bit of these comments. So guys, I want to get into the second part of all this. I think you're going to find this next part very, very interesting. Because though we seem to be escaping the matrix on the political level, um, I don't think people realize how much, or they're not, they might know it subconsciously, but they're not actively thinking about how much social media, how much we're trapped in the big tech matrix Um when it comes to our personal life, when it comes to our personal relationships with people and how that affects our lives and our happiness. Because, you know, I'm going to explain, I'm, I'll break all of this down, but essentially big tech profits off of our unhappiness in life. They profit off of us needing to use their platforms, which is a virtual reality. It's not real. It's not reality, right? Um, when we use these platforms, we're essentially, um, we're, we're taking part in a, in a virtual world that isn't actually real life, right? We might be talking to real people, we might be interacting with real people, but it's not real life. And I, I do believe it's starting to really hurt our personal relationships with people. And, you know, originally I wasn't going to get to this this part of the show. I was going to go a completely different direction. I was going to touch on the fact that, like, we've a lot of people have lost friends over uh, the big tech matrix that we're trapped in, especially during the BLM movement, which I'll get into in a moment. 
But I came across this clip that really kind of made me realize like, wow, this is so true. It, in a bit, in a way, big tech profits off of our unhappiness. And that's why they're able to keep us in this matrix because I'll explain more, but basically, basically they, especially for young people. And I know we have varying ages in that, that views the, sh that views the show. So this might not apply to all of you. I think older generations kind of have it figured out better because they didn't have to deal with social media or, or dating apps or, um, you know, just big tech in general, or even cell phones, even cell phones, uh, things where sometimes simpler times make life better in a way, like the more simple things are, the happier you are in a lot of ways. And I think that that doesn't always apply to things. Like I think the more options you have as it pertains to like the government, for example, I don't believe the government should like clamp down on your ability to get your own health care. I think that's not fair. You should have the option to choose whatever health care you want. Like options are good in, in most contexts, but sometimes more options does not equal more freedom in a lot of cases. And I find that that's the case when it comes to um, the big tech matrix, when it comes to your personal relationships with people that the matrix is actually controlling. Because what does freedom mean? Well, freedom makes you happy, right? But not necessarily in this case, because uh, sometimes, sometimes they trap you in an endless cycle that you can't escape. Um, and I want to play this clip that I said I, I came across. Sorry, I went on a tangent longer. I'll, I'll explain more after. But Andrew Tate kind of broke this down really well when he was talking about the world of Instagram and dating and how it applies to young people's lives and how sad it is really and how di diluted of a society that we live in, keyword diluted, that we live in because of these things and how it kind of destroys personal relationships. Take a look at this. I was saying this to Tristan only a few weeks ago. I said, you know what, man? Before Instagram, before dating apps, imagine like you met a girl and she was perfect for you and you fell in love with her and like you, you broke up and you like you just never saw her again. You didn't know what she was up to. You didn't stalk her Instagram. You didn't meet her again on, you didn't message her. You just never saw her again. Isn't that crazy? Imagine how much you'd love a woman if you couldn't see like all these other bitches online and stuff. Imagine how true feelings used to be. Everything in the world, the modern world is so diluted. It's all diluted down because they give, they, there's unlimited option, right? It's interesting. It's an interesting way to, to view the world and think. Yeah, it is really interesting. I had personally never thought about it that way, but when I was prepping for this show and I came across that, I was like, that's really true because see, big tech doesn't just have us trapped in a matrix that affects our political, our politics, the outcomes of our elections and, and our, our lives financially, like in the case of uh, John Paul MacIsaac, but rather it affects our ability to form real relationships with people. Because, and I, you know, this is a, a problem both men and women have when it comes to, like I know people who have uh, dated for years and years and years, maybe not years and years and years, but like I would say one or two years are about to get you know engaged, but then they get into one fight and they don't try for the relationship anymore. And you might be thinking, well, Anna, what does this have to do with big tech? Well, it has everything to do with big tech because, you know, you can then go to Instagram and nobody's actually trying to make the relationship work because the woman is like, well, I have 10 millionaires in my DMs that I could, you know, take their take up their offer any any day now. So why would I fight for this guy when I have all of this, when I when I could actually be with somebody, you know, richer? And then the guy's like, well, I'm I have I'm DMing all these other girls. I have all these other options. So why would I fight for this if I have these other options that maybe are more attractive, you know? And, or maybe in their mind they're more attractive. Now, a lot of times they wind up being, of course, r those accounts run, wind up being uh, run by men and it's all a farce, but whatever. Let's assume, just for the sake of this example, that that's 
not the case, right? And and these are real tangible options that these people have on these Instagram apps, uh, or Instagram apps, on Instagram, um, and these other apps that people use and, and social media. It's like, when you have, you know, and then what happens is they, they break up, whatever, then they wind up dating these new people, right? And then what happens, they date those new people and the same thing happens all over again. They get into one fight, but because the, the big, big tech matrix, it, it's like the devil on your shoulder being like, just break up. You have, you have this person, this person, this person, this person. So why would you stay with this person? Why would you fight to make it work when you have all these other people? Then the same thing happens again. Then you're stuck in the cycle. Everybody's stuck in the cycle, men and women, because we're both guilty of it. We're both guilty of, of taking advantage of these options that, we're, that we're, we have, when in reality, Who's profiting off of this at the end of the day? Well, it's Instagram. They're profiting off of your unhappiness because you're never going to be satisfied in this cycle, in this endless cycle, right? So, you know, I, I saw that clip and I, again, I wasn't going to touch on it, but it's absolutely true because I think it ruins, like big tech has ruined personal relationships. It's diluted real life personal relationships and, and re people that you meet in real life. It's like, you know, or even friendships too. I wanted to touch on that too. If you look at like, you know, what happened during BLM, people started posting those black squares and it was almost a way to weed out people that big tech didn't want you to talk to. They were controlling your life in ways that you didn't even realize, right? So this isn't necessarily applicable to conservatives, but it's applicable to liberals who um, wound up losing conservative friends. Sorry, this fell out. Um, they wound up losing conservatives in their life, and then those conservatives wound up losing them in those people in their lives as well. The lifelong friends, guys. I mean, I lost lifelong friends at around that, that point. You might say, well, good, then they're not real friends, but the point is, they're so brainwashed by the matrix to think that the big tech matrix, that if you're not with them, then if they're not with you, then they're against you. It, it's very psychological, it's very strange, but um, yeah, people would just stop befriending people because uh, that black square indicated to them at that point who was a good person and who was a bad person. That was what big tech wanted you to believe. So then once you consider someone to be a bad person, well, why would you want to be friends with them? Why would you want to be friends with a racist who didn't post a black square on their Instagram? It's absolutely ridiculous when you say it out loud and when you realize how ridiculous it is in, in the grand scheme of things in actual real life. But be, when you're so trapped in the matrix, you don't realize how bad how how bad it really is like anybody from another generation like a baby boomer would laugh at that concept they'd be like seriously you just friend dumped someone over not posting a black square but it happened all the time it happened in my own personal life i saw it happen in other people's lives um i know so many people so many conservatives that are similar to me like that lost friends now we all know blm happened even leftists today will say blm was a farce it was it was it was just a scam in general nobody actually believes blm is well some i guess some sheep still like blm but the point is guys they were it the big this big tech matrix is so so powerful it will convince you to break up with your high school sweetheart because there's more options out there. It will convince you to friend dump your friend of 20 years because they didn't post a black square on their Instagram. That's crazy. But we are still living in this matrix and especially for young people, it's a threat. Especially for you know Gen Z and, and, um, and millennials, this is a real threat to the future relationships that we might have or future you know anything. Nothing means anything anymore. Everything's so diluted, right? And that's really, really sad to see. And I don't know exactly what the solution here is other than people spending less time on these, you know, 
on these apps like Instagram or Twitter or whatever, or what have you, whatever app or even dating apps, because dating apps are another form of options as it pertains to like, in, like romantic relationships. Those are another form of options there. It, it's not even really that real for people because it's just like potential. It's not actual, like, like the way that your brain processes that is, is that it, it makes you believe that you truly have like, like a man, for example, it's the same concept as porn. When a man watches porn and this is why porn is so bad. Other, there's a million reasons why, but this is one of the reasons why it's so bad is because he is convinced that he has slept with the woman that he is watching and therefore he won't go out and then try to find an actual woman in real life and mate with her and want a family with her right and want to commit to that relationship because he has convinced himself that he just slept with a 10 when in fact he didn't right he put zero work into it didn't you know meet an actual woman in real life to do that with it was just some random woman that he watched on the internet. So the same uh, reward signal that goes off on your, in your brain if you were to like, you know, actually meet, actually meet a woman and, and the same chemicals that would be released in real life are released um, by watching those, uh, by watching porn, right? So uh, it's very dangerous because it con convinces you that you were living in a reality that you were not living in. And so when you were trapped in, similarly, if, if you are trapped in this matrix, uh, it, and when it comes to big tech, when it comes to dating, and you think you have all of these options, these numerous options, you meet somebody you really like, and you think, well, I could do better. Let's see if I could do it. Not, not I can do better, but I, let's see if I could do better, because I think I might be able to. You're just going to keep being unsatisfied with every single person you meet, and you're just going to be trapped in this endless cycle. And, you know, I, I, didn't, I hadn't thought about that literally until I saw that clip by Andrew Tate, but it is really, really sad because it's not a problem that older generations have to deal with. And I really wanted to touch on that because it made me realize like how much big tech really affects you specifically. Like, I, and then, like I said, my mind just went to so many places and I realized like even the whole black square thing with BLM, like that's so ridiculous. Imagine going back to the 1850s and being like, yeah, well, I lost a friend and the person in their transatlantic accent would be like, well, how did you lose your friend? And you'd be like, well, uh, they didn't post a black square. So I had to friend dump them. I had to friend dump them. So because if, when they don't post a black square on Instagram, that means they're racist. The person would be like, I'm sorry, come again? Like what? It's crazy when you think about it. We are basing our lives, our real life decisions that could affect our future off of things that don't even exist, things that aren't real. And even if they become real, they will continue to not, you know, be enough for us because we are full of a world with too many options. While I think, you know, technology and big tech and the internet has provided some positives, like it has connected us to very important issues that maybe we wouldn't be aware of otherwise. Like for example, what's happening in Ukraine and with Russia and like protests that are happening in China, like without big tech, we never would know that those things were happening if we lived in this part of the world, if we didn't have phones, if we didn't have all these things. But in a way, it's really hurt us. It's really diluted us. It's di diluted our, our lives. And you know, some people don't realize this. They wake up one day, they're 35, and they're alone forever. And they're like, you know, uh, well, not alone forever. 35 is young. But I mean, as a woman, speaking, I'm speaking from a woman's perspective. You wake up one day, you're 35. Uh, you have never had any kids, and it's it's harder to find a mate at that point because you've been so trapped. Because like I said, a lot of women blame men for this. I don't blame men. I blame big tech, and I actually think that women have participated in this a lot. And Andrew Tate talks a lot about this as well. Like women, a lot of women. Um, well, not saying you or me, I'm just saying there are a lot of women out there that, you know, they'll think to themselves, well, this guy, I have all these other options, so why would I continue on with this guy? Why would I fight for this relationship? You know, I have richer guys in my DMs. There are people who think that way. And it, I don't fault people necessarily for thinking that way because, like, there is a certain degree of, like, wanting better for yourself, you know? You should want better for yourself if you don't feel like you're in a situation where you are, 
you know, getting what you think you should. But at a certain point, it's like, when does it end? Right? Like, at what point do you say, like, actually, what I have is, is, is worth fighting for. And, you know, a lot of people, like I said, I know people who were, who were engaged and broke up over issues like this. They won't say it, and they might not consciously be aware of it, but their actions will, you know, these are people who broke up and then wound up in the cycle of just dating random people um, for years and years and years to come. So it's very sad. Big tech has destroyed our friendships. It's destroyed our romantic relationships. It's destroyed um, personal relationships. It's a diluted life to a point where it's affected our quality of life. And it's why you see millennials, partly why you see millennials and Gen Z are so unhappy. Because we are the victims of all of this, if you think about it, we're trapped in this matrix and it's very, very difficult to escape, especially considering most jobs today, you kind of need to have a presence on social media, especially if you work in like something like what I do for a living. Like there's no way I could never not have an Instagram. There's no way I could never not have a Twitter or any of these things unless I was banned, of course. But I need it for my job, right? And, and you know, I use it just like everybody else does. Um, so it's very, it's, it's, it's just, it's a sad reality and there has to be some way out, but I just, I saw that and I was like, this fits right in because big tech guys, we are stuck in a matrix that controls us from the political to the personal to every other aspect of our lives. And we need to figure out a way to escape it. We're kind of escaping it now when it comes to politics, when it comes to escaping it on the, allow, from stopping them from allowing us, allowing them to basically be the puppet master when it comes to elections and when it comes to deciding what information can be out and when, what can't and suppressing important information, we, are, I think, are starting to win on that end. But now it's time to win on the personal side as well. Now it's time to wake people up. And I'm glad we have people like Andrew Tate to spread this message, to say things like this, and people like myself who are saying it too, although more people are going to listen to him than they're going to listen to me because at the end of the day, the person who's going to be the most effective voice is the one who's going to be the most apolitical. You know, I look at someone like Andrew Tate, and he actually reminds me a lot of Gavin McInnes, who I used to work with. Um, Gavin was not a particularly conservative guy. To this day, I wouldn't consider him very conservative, but he's more just like, he, he is Republican, like he votes Republican and stuff like that, but he, his message to the world was not vote, like be a conservative person. It's, it's just, it was more about changing the lifestyle that you have and the habits that you have. He came before Andrew Tate and he says a lot of the things that Andrew Tate is now saying. My point in bringing that up is that it takes more mainstream voices to, cause remember, uh, I don't know if you know this, Gavin actually founded Vice Magazine. So obviously he wasn't necessarily this conservative voice his whole life, right? So it takes voices like Elon Musk, like Andrew Tate, like Gavin McInnes to get this message out. Uh, but I do hope people wake up to the fact that we are indeed controlled by the big tech matrix more than we'd like to believe or more than we even realize. Um, and it's very sad the way it's controlling our lives. And I hope I hope we see a change uh, in that way. Uh, but guys, that's uh, that's the end of that segment. But I have one last story to get to that you're going to want to stick around for. I saw the craziest thing that I've seen in a while. It actually scared me. Like I You'll know what I mean when I when I play the clip after the break. But guys, this really really scared me. So I had I had to show it to you guys. Don't get mad at me. I know it's creepy, but I have to show it to you. So please uh, stick around after the break. I just want to go ahead and play a uh, quick message from my amazing sponsor, the Functional Medical Institute. Like I always say, you can check out their products. Go to Sherwood.tv/AnnaPerez. Use my promo code AnnaPerez for a discount off of their amazing programs, guys. Check them out. They're amazing. I use them all the time, especially now that New Year's is coming up. You can give it as a gift, great gift for someone who wants to get in shape in your family or one of your friends. Uh, so I'll be back uh, in a minute so you can hear a message from them. And I'll be talking about this crazy story that I found. I'll also be reading some of your comments. So stick around, guys.
friends, Dr. Michelle Sherwood here. I'm Dr. Mark Sherwood. Many people know about our clinic, but we also have a desire to help people who can't personally visit us, but still want to take steps towards better health. Our two-week health reset is a great first step and requires no video appointments or tests. With our health reset, you will get 28 detox shakes to provide the ideal nutritional foundation, 28 supplement packs with key nutrients, and access to daily videos where we encourage you along the two-week process. Our health reset plan is usually $180. Now, it's just $169 with your promo code. Go to Sherwood.tv now and use the promo code on your screen to receive this exclusive offer. Take a simple step and let us guide you on the road to feel better. All right, and welcome back to Wrong Think, everyone. Guys, I'm going to go ahead and check out your comments. I know you probably have a lot to say about what I just said. I kind of went on a rant. I know it was kind of long, but I'm curious to see what you guys have to say about that. Um, Uh, Poptini says Ukraine equals the Ponzi scheme of a lifetime. I know. I can't believe that there are people who still think that we should be sending money to Ukraine. It's hard to believe. Also, guys, if you haven't already, please hit the rumble button. Really, really appreciate that. Uh, that's how we're going to be able to grow here and do more for you guys at LFA. Please, please, please hit that rumble button. Would really, really appreciate it. We're at, I think, only like 200 now. So could really use your rumbles if you don't mind. And also please share this with your friends, your family, everybody would really, really help uh, grow this show. I really wanna grow this show. Um, we'll have some great changes in 2023. So please help us gear up for those by rumbling, not just my show, but everyone else's shows as well. All right. Uh, Miguel says, welcome Yig. Anna's shows are always fire. Thank you, Miguel. Uh, Amanda says, these people need real a relationship with God first, then he will send you the right person. Um, that's true, Amanda, but I think even like, um, I think it's just like people get, well, I agree that that's the solution here. I think the focus has become, has come away from like God, but like God can send you like eight people to be with, but if you, God also gives us free will. So if you decide that like, you know, uh, you want to be trapped in this matrix, it's a conscious decision. We just don't see it that way. If you want to be trapped in the matrix, you will be trapped in the matrix for as long as you want, right? But, um, cause that is free will at, you know, at work. But if you decide that that you don't want that for yourself, that you don't want that life for yourself, if you realize, I, I don't think, I will say this. I don't think a lot of people really realize what they're doing until it's too late. I think a lot of people, specifically women, because men can sort of, you know, screw around a little bit more. They have that ability biologically. Women can, you know, it, it's harder for women because a lot of women who do that, you know, they don't realize that really what's what's makes them valuable at this point in their life is their youth right so it's harder the longer that they wait the longer that they keep dumping men for men with more money the, the longer like um i mean i i used to do this to a degree when i was young i'm not i'm not a saint right i used to date a guy and i'd be like yeah i could do better i could do better you know you get less and less superficial as you get older and you start to realize like you know at what point am i just going to be like you know do you wake up and say well maybe i should start you know being more of course i became christian and all these other things but you know the point is there are 
we're all guilty of it to some degree, especially young people who live in this matrix. Men do it when it comes to beauty and other women because men like variety, so they're still stuck in that matrix for a long time. Women do it when it comes to men with more money or who are, who are older and giving them, have more to offer to offer them, more to bring to the table. So it's like, you know, it's, you know, nobody's better than some anyone else. It's just a matter of waking up and realizing, hey, maybe there's more to it than this. Maybe there are people that are actually you know, maybe I should be looking at it differently. So um, it is kind of sad. It is very sad. Um, AAA, uh, AAA service, AAA says, I locked myself in the single matrix. I like my matrix. Hey, uh, if that's what makes you happy, I suppose. Um, Marilyn says, I did not post a black square and did not acknowledge anybody's black square posts. In fact, I think I reported all of those black square posts as spam. Oh, that's amazing. I think I just posted like it was a normal day. Uh, yeah, I didn't post a black squ uh, square. I actually made fun of people who did. I, I like did an Instagram live where I was like making fun of those people. Uh, and, and I lost so many followers for that. And I was like, you know what? I don't care. At that point, I stopped caring. But it is really sad when you think about it, like how many people genuinely bought into all of that. And like they are trained by the matrix because... The problem with social media too is like the same place where you are, you, you are giving information is the same place you are receiving information, right? So a lot of times you'll see headlines on Instagram or on Twitter about like from the Atlantic. So if you're a leftist, then you're going to be following, you know, outlets like the Atlantic, like the New York Times. And you're going to think to yourself, okay, you're going to start to see headlines that say, the new policy, if you're not with us, you're against us. If you're not, if you're not anti-racist, then you're racist. And that's a real thing that the left bought into. So they would see those headlines on the same platform where they were also expected to give information based off of what of where they stood on this anti-racist versus racist argument. So what that and what that computed to was, okay, so receiving that information plus being expected to give that information meant that in their mind, the equation was such that they needed to, to post that black square or else they were anti-racist. And if other people that they followed didn't do the same, then therefore they were racist, right? They wanted to be anti-racist. So it was like this, like, if you're not with us, you're against us thing. And that genuinely brainwashed a lot of people to believe that that equated to good versus bad, good versus evil, that you were an evil person if you were not therefore anti-racist, right? So that's, it, it's so crazy, the power that big tech has over our brains. And, you know, like I said, that might not have been a problem for you, meaning like you or I like posting a black square or anything. Although I would say a lot of conservatives actually did post the black square, which was really crazy to see. But um, the thing is a lot of women, I mean, not women, I mean, a lot of, I don't know why I was thinking women. Um, a lot of uh, like conservatives on the receiving end of that who were who were told that they who were either blocked or were told they could no longer be friends with that person, we still had to deal with that matrix, right? Even if we are not participating actively in that particular part of it, we were still on the receiving end of it. We lost that friend. So it's just crazy how much, how this, it's all mind control. That's the crazy part is like, it's so scary how much control this virtual reality has over our lives because it's not really real. It's just that they are able to, you know, somehow get a hold of our brains that way and the way we think. And like I said, the whole relationship thing where it's like you're trapped in the cycle because there's option after option after option. The reality is you're never going to, you know, if you're a man, for example, you're never going to sleep with every single one of those women that you're talking to. The reality is for a, a, a woman, you're never going to get the money of every single man that you're talking to, right? So um, it doesn't really, it's not really real. It's just like in your mind, 
when you have limitless options, your, your brain tells you, why would I settle for this, right? When in reality, you're actually hurting yourself because you're bound to never be satisfied in life if that's your mindset. So it's just crazy. Um, what, what are you guys even talking about? I don't know. Uh, love bug. Oh, seven. Says, I've never heard of the black squares. The love bug, the black squares were back in 20, 2019 or 2020. I think it's 2020, right when the year started the whole, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, how could I forget our saints, George Floyd, his name, uh, George Floyd back when he died as a result of racism, as the left was putting it at the time, um, people posted black squares to show their solidarity with the Black Lives Matter movement. So if you didn't post, it was this huge thing. If you didn't post a black square that day, you were like ousted. You were, it was a way to weed out uh, the social pariahs according to the left, right? So if you were a conservative and you didn't want to post a black square because you knew that the BLM movement was a scam, then by default, you were a bad person according to the left. So that's what that is. All right, guys. So I think enough reading the comments for now, actually for probably the rest of the episode. But I want to go ahead and play one last clip. Like I told you, I promise you, this is really, really crazy. So please, please, please uh, don't be mad at me for playing this. But I think you got to hear it bec because it's or you got to see it, too, because it's really insane. So, you know, um, kind of wild that after the whole Balenciaga situation that anybody would do this. But Kylie Jenner, once again, has never failed to disappoint us. She has disappointed us once more or has grossed us out and made us creeped out. But uh, she participated in, she acted in one of Travis Scott's new music videos. And it is the most satanic thing I've ever seen to a point where I actually got chills when watching it. I was so scared. Like, I, I know that sounds stupid. Like, here I am, like a grown woman getting scared from a music video. But when you see it, you'll know what I mean because this is disgusting. Take a look. Is that not the scariest thing you've ever seen? Like ever? That really freaked me out. Like I was sitting, I, was, I saw it last night. I was sitting in my bed, I was watching it on my phone and I was like, holy shit, that scared me. Sorry, I didn't mean to say shit. Um, and I just said it again, wow, I suck. Um, but yeah, that really scared me. And uh, really what we're witnessing here is they want to normalize things that are part of like satanic rituals. So in the Balenciaga aspect, they were normalizing pedophilia, right? That's all part of child sacrifice. It's all part of satanic rituals. There, that was a blood ritual, which also uh, would normally have to do with slaughtering a child. Um, they, it, it's disgusting. Satanic rituals are absolutely gross, but they want to normalize it. That's what they're trying to do. It's, a, it's the same thing they do with pedophilia. It's a path to normalize Satanism. And so that's why it's so scary because mainstream people like Kylie Jenner are doing that. Kylie is a stupid freak she's a she's a loser she keeps having sex with all these random men and keeps reproducing never n none of them ever want to marry her so go figure so not exactly the role model of society but my point is there are people who watch her stuff and think oh that's just a, f a funny little little video like no no that was really creepy also there were kids laughing in the background I don't know if you heard that and the whole voice of the song was like a child so there's definitely some elements of children in there to indicate to you that this is very much satanic but of course kylie is going to partake in that because she's stupid and she doesn't know what she's doing but 
what she doesn't realize is that she's actually normal. She's taking part in normalizing this stuff. And maybe she is fully aware of it. Maybe I'm giving her too much credit, especially given that her sister Kim is such a supporter or refused to outright condemn Balenciaga, I should say. Um, so I guess it runs in the family. Satanism must run in the family. I don't know, but it's absolutely disgusting. And I wanted you guys to see that because I thought that it was an important point to be made that, you know, even though we were winning, I think after Balenciaga and people are starting to wake up, Crap like that still goes on. People still see stuff like that. And it's really scary that after Balenciaga, that would be released. It just goes to show how desensitized people are to Satanism. And I really hope that we see a change soon. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for watching. Sorry I had to end on that weird note, uh, weird video. But I figured you guys would probably want to be aware of what's going on. So, um, so yeah, so please go ahead and rumble this video if you haven't already, guys, on your way out. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to head out now, but please, please, please rumble if you haven't already. Share it on your social media with your friends, with everyone. Get the word out, guys. Uh, we need to escape the big tech matrix or else we are doomed to an eternity of unhappiness, guys. So please, please, please go ahead and do that now if you haven't already. And like I said, rumble on your way out. And I will see you tomorrow at 1 p.m. Uh, right back here on LFA TV for another episode of Wrong Think. And don't forget to catch Jeremy's show at 5. See you tomorrow. Bye.